1963, the world was watching as our president visited Dallas on a sunny November afternoon. The crowds cheered until three shots rang out. Was it a lone gunman or a sinister plot by our own government? Today's episode is The Assassination of John F. Kennedy. In the night, your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood Well, first of all, I want to to go back to our last episode where we had the moral quandary of about does Ted this Kennedy. define Ted Kennedy? Oh yeah, have you been thinking I would about like, Ted I Kennedy? I have, and I had a conversation with Tommy about it, and I have decided that I do not think that defines Ted Kennedy. Wow. Yes. We. I had a discussion. I have an all female comedian group chat, and we weren't necessarily talking about Ted Kennedy, but we were definitely like Louis C.K. will just like pop up. Now at the comedy oh, yeah. cell or whatever, fucking walk out and demand my money back if well, he did that. He shit. He did it like people didn't buy tickets to see him. They bought, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. know Dalton He's, Pruitt was yeah, that yeah. one recently. And so we were talking about that of like, if you come out and say, "Oh man, I had kind of a bad year," <laughs> you don't deserve necessarily. You don't deserve forgiveness. Versus someone comes out and says, "Oh my god, I did this horrible thing and I deeply regret it. It's, I am genuinely apologizing and I don't deserve your forgiveness. I'm just telling you what I did." Mm-hmm. But there, to some of their points in the chat, they were saying, you know, he did knew, know what he was doing. He knew it was bad. He did it for 10 Louis years. Oh, yeah, he did definitely. it for 10 years. His whole camp covered up for him. Mm-hmm. And this is from, a, I'm Heather and a girl who loves, deeply loved Louis C.K. Oh, like, yeah. like my old work, that was like a bit that I was, that I wanted to marry Louis C.K. And I loved him. I thought he was so cute was and great. so funny. And yeah, yeah. Everybody was cringing that I thought Louis C.K. was cute. I just sort of. <laughs> You know what? That's I got to type. Yeah, no, I I can see it in a in a slovenly funny way. He is just sort of like a grungily yeah. dressed comedian. I saw him live. He was great. I mean, despite every all the shit he's done, that doesn't mean he's not funny. Yeah, he's I mean, still I've a funny person. He's just a known piece of shit. So then, in that case, you know that does that define you? It's a prolonged period of just horrible behavior with no like no remorse. Yeah, to and me, the with only Louis time, C.K., I'll I won't ever forgive that. So well, I'm not going to be a fan ever. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, like he had a, lo- a prolonged period of bad actions with no remorse, and the only time he sort of apologized was when he was like red-handed caught. Yeah, and, and he was shitty. like, "I'm got to do something to get a career back." Yeah. So I don't know. And we've gotten way better to <laughs> But I'm well, glad you were thinking about Ted Kennedy. I was. I was. And to your point a minute ago about people filming stuff, when I was reading about uh, our topic today, the assassination of JFK, the only film that they had was the now famous Zapruder film. And 
think about now if something like this was there to happen. There would be phone Holy angles. Holy shit. I mean, you couldn't, there wouldn't even be a ton of questions. That's true. Because everything would have been documented. It's like live streams. Yeah, except the fact that you can't document the government plotting a cover-up to kill our president. Well, and you know what? There's been quite a trail of evidence. Oh, yeah. A lot of more things have been, a lot of more things. A, a lot, lot more, more things. A lot of more things have been released, you know, in 1995 and then again last year uh, with the, the JFK, like, uh, what is it? Access Act or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's more information out than before. But well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. Today we are discussing the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. We're going to break this up into two parts. So, which isn't even enough. <laughs> no, really. I was thinking. I was like, God, we could do. You could do. I mean, and there are podcasts entirely dedicated to this topic. But here's the thing. I, I mean, this could be a year span? long podcast yeah i have a short attention span and i i the reason why i listen to podcasts is that i want someone else to do a bunch of research and then just regurgitate it back to me in a like a condensed format Mm -hmm. so you know what you guys that's what we're doing yeah i just went to philadelphia for work if you follow me on instagram you saw me wearing an eagle's hat i apologize for that for my (laughs) treason but i was very cold Um, how cold was it there it was it was nippy the first day and then it turned off nice. So it was, okay. it was super cold the first day and that's why I wore the hat and then it turned off better. But uh, on the plane ride there, I was I got uh, paid for the upgrade for because my company paid for the flight. So I just paid for the upgrade to get exit row because I wanted more oh, leg nice. room and I knew I was it's three hours. And uh, they give you, fun fact on American Airlines, unlimited alcohol if you are what? in the exit row. Why? <laughs> Is that the lane where you're supposed to help people yes, if shit goes down? Yeah, they made me take my headphones off and they're like, in the event of an emergency, are you willing, able, and, uh, you know, you you're like, I don't know how many Jack and Cokes have you given oh, me so Unlimited far. Tito's. I was like, hell yeah, bitch, I'll fly the plane. Sully Selgenberg. Let me get some of that. Yeah. So I just was like, oh, may I have like a screwdriver? The lady next to me is like, two bottles of Tito's. And her husband's like, two Bud Lights. I was like, good God. <laughs> I respect that. But anyhow, so I was sitting uh, with my iPad and I was watching all these JFK documentaries that were they're on Netflix and we'll put them in the show notes they're very graphic there was like mm, yeah. literal like footage of the Sapruder footage and then there was uh, autopsy the one oh, yeah. like autopsy photo and just with his throat yeah mm-hmm. there was a and the lady next to me Miss Double Tito's was just like uh <laughs> and I had a notebook out and was scratched so I've probably been reported <laughs> that she's like she's plotting something yeah taking notes yeah I was like oh I'm gonna go to jail well this first episode we're gonna focus on the assassination and what the day of what took place that day uh, and then next week will be conspiracy theories my favorite and it's going to be really hard for me this whole episode not to be like no no <laughs> well i mean so you and i are in agreement for once on a conspiracy <laughs> theory that it was the, the government definitely had something if not everything to do with this but your your timeline that we created today i say we christy did all the work the timeline that you created today is following the official story the official I use story. air quotes yes what was officially what you're taught in by the warren commission that that is, uh, yes, what we're taught to believe. The Warren Commission is so problematic. That's I'll save it all for episode two. But, like, yeah. talk about putting the foxes in charge of the hen house. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. That could also be an entire podcast. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. On November 22nd, 1963, President John F. Kennedy, his wife Jackie, and Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson and his wife Lady Bird, what was her real name? I think it's like Maureen, but Lady Bird's a really good name. You like it? Oh, yeah. I, I don't like her. So it's... Wait, you don't like Lady Bird? No. Hot take. Why do you not like her? 
Um, because in several of the documentaries I've been watching, Claudia, Claudia, she just doesn't seem appropriately uh, morose. She after just, I think she's, I think part of her is like, oh, I'm now the first lady in my head, and well, really the whole Johnson campaign, the whole the his whole team when he was getting sworn in, and we'll get into it. They kind of were like, all right, peace out, Kennedy team. Y'all are get like, the fuck out of here. yeah, it was just You're like immediately now. like they were pushed out and the Johnson uh, administration was now in. It was, I don't She's know. a bit of a pearl clutcher and she's got a face yeah. that looks like she's just smelled a fart constantly. <laughs> Very much so. Which, I mean, he's old, he was older. Maybe so. Maybe he will. You know how some old people just always smell like farts? I would do an entire episode on LBJ be- just based on those tapes of him getting fitted for pants and he's like, you gotta... Yeah, I need some help because my pocket's too shallow and my knife keeps falling out. And you're like, that's a president of the United States. His knife is yeah. so big that it can't fit but in his trouser can't pockets. Fit in his pants. He's like, I need a little bit more room from where my balls yeah, hang around to my, my bunghole. <laughs> Like, yeah okay, bunghole. He needs some. He needs some nice and loose. He also, TV for he was, they were from Texas. That's right. Uh, so all of them arrived in Dallas, Texas, as part of a five-day Texas tour. This was Jackie's first public appearance since her son Patrick's death three months earlier, which we talked about in the last episode, in the curse episode. Yes, Kennedy was hoping to accomplish three goals during his Texas tour. Don't die. <laughs> yeah, that was that was always a goal. Unfortunately, he didn't meet that one on this one. So the first one was to begin his quest for re-election in 1964, to raise campaign funds for said election, and to help smooth things over between the Democratic Party and a very conservative Texas. Kennedy and Johnson had barely won Texas in 1960 and actually lost Dallas. So there was a lot of... Uh, this is not our territory. Well, and we got to make amends here. There, you can't really talk about the JFK assassination or really anything JFK without uh, talking just about like the political climate at the time. And mm-hmm. they got Johnson to run because Kennedy was so young, so progressive. Johnson was like a lifelong politician, Southern, old, could get the old, could get the oil money mm-hmm. to back up uh, the campaign. And then again, like I said, you get these. JFK was amazing, okay? He did a lot of amazing things as president, but he was super progressive, and he's like, you know what we need to do is oil money. Those people just need to get taxed more. Yeah. And they're like, what did you just say to me? And like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. So he, you know, he sort of turned on the people that he didn't even ask for their help to get him into office, but they were like, oh, well, we want LBJ in office, and no one's going to hire LBJ in his bunghole to yeah. go to the White House. But, you know, if you pair him with this handsome, yeah. young, beloved Which young is man, what the vice president's job really is. Yeah. He's never going to be president. He's just there well, to theoretically. make the president. Yeah, well, although this one did become president. You know also, what? it was said that when uh, JFK and Jackie landed in Dallas, that JFK turned to her and said, we're heading into nut country. Because <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of gun-wielding conservative crazies. Well, he wasn't wrong. No, he wasn't. Well, after a successful presidential breakfast in Fort Worth, which is where I grew up. There you go. You didn't kill the president. I didn't. I was not alive. JFK. No, I just meant your city didn't. Oh, oh, yes. (laughs) But also, I did not. Uh, JFK, Jackie, LBJ, and Lady Bird headed to Air Force One 
and made a short 15-minute flight from Carswell Air Force Base in Fort Worth to Love Field in Dallas. First of all, how extra is it that they straight up flew from Fort Worth to Dallas? For those of you that aren't from this area... We could drive to Fort Worth in about 45 minutes. Correct. However, if you've ever driven on 20 or 30, I would much rather fly. <laughs> yeah. And it I sucks. guess you have to get the plane That's what I was thinking to, the, to Dallas. But it's just like you would spend more time getting to the plane, getting on the plane, getting everything situated than if you just drove the freaking limo. That's what I was thinking. They said 15-minute flight. And I'm like, there's not even any way it was 15 minutes. It was probably like eight minutes. And like, it's probably like four minutes for takeoff, five minutes to yeah. fly, and five minutes to land. I mean, it's like... I, I can't imagine they ever even got to 30,000 feet or however how high you're supposed to be. So at 11.40 a.m., the presidential motorcade departed Love Field and headed for the Dallas Trademark. Where a luncheon where President Kennedy, where President Kennedy would meet with civic and business leaders, was scheduled. Forty-five minutes had been allotted for the trip, so they were allotting for forty-five. And in reality, uh, Love Field to the Dallas Mart. What is that? Probably a fifteen, twenty minute. Yeah, it's, drive. it's basically kind of a straight shot, yeah. actually. But I guess they were allotting to kind of do a little mini tour, and they knew they were going to be going like ten to twenty miles per hour. Slowly. They they were scheduling this out so it could be a Meet everyone and could come out and and look and wave and take pictures as they drove by, and it was a um, it was a big political. What is the word I'm looking for? Well, it's like a lot of fanfare. And yeah, it was like, fanfare, he, fanfare. Because he got elected on this great wave of like he was super popular and he was mm-hmm. handsome and young and everyone loved him. And then he got into and office. And everyone loved Jackie too. Correct. And he got into office and then you had this huge red scare where it's like the Soviets are getting nuclear weapons. And then he's trying to negotiate maybe disarmament. So then the country's kind of split. And then it, the country actually started really siding with him too. Mm-hmm. Of like, yeah, we don't want to die in a nuclear blast sure. either. You had the whole... Bay of Pig situation mm-hmm. in Cuba where there's, you know, there's uh, nuclear weapons 90 miles off the coast of Florida. The Cuban, the Castro is starting to take over. He's starting to get big. This threat of, OK, well, if Russia can take Cuba, can then they take Florida? Can they yeah. take, you know, can which is still a, a th- concern it's for a, a lot question. of people. So, so he started out the super popular, like everybody loved him president. And then basically a, three years into it, the question is, you know, is he still as popular as he was before, right. especially in the state where he barely won in a city exactly. where he didn't win. Right. So they're like, oh, yeah, let's come. It's your chance to see the president. Aren't you excited? Don't you want to vote for him? I remember when I was in high school, Clinton uh, came to Fort Worth. Oh, that's so cool. And so I I didn't get out of school. Did to you go want to date him? him? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> Y'all know Monica Lewinsky? Yeah, that was my secret identity. Uh, But several of my friends, like, left school and went downtown to where he was speaking. Do you regret not going? I do. I was thinking today, like, watching this. At the time, you know, I was 16. I was like, oh, whatever. This isn't... Who cares? Mm -hmm. But all the people that were children or 16 or adults that saw this, Mm -hmm. like... This that is day is forever. I mean, granted, nothing catastrophic happened when Clinton came. Yeah, but you still will remember that. You'll always remember like seeing a president speak, regardless of like your political affiliation. Well, in like two thousand seven, my mom and her friend were going to go to Reunion Arena and see the senator talk, mm. and everyone's all excited. And she's like, "Do you want to go? It could be history." And I was like, "You stupid mom, <laughs> shut up!" It was Barack Obama. Oh <laughs> shit! Idiot. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, just a life lesson. If, you're, if you ever have the chance to go see a 
anyone that's in a president or a senator or anything speak, go to it. Ne- I didn't see Beto when he came through, and I wish I had. Yeah, same. He was in Mesquite. I should have gone, but... Mm-hmm. He was in Deep Ellum, too. God damn it. Well, Secret Service agents Winston G. Lawson and Forrest V. Sorrells had been the most active in planning the motorcade route and had driven it just two weeks before in order to finalize plans. From Love Field, the route passed through a suburban section of Dallas, through downtown along Main Street, and finally to the Trademark via a short segment of the Stimmons Freeway. This route was chosen in order to provide the maximum building and crowd views and was widely reported in Dallas newspapers days before the event for people that wanted to attend. We were talking before we started recording about how this is not something that would even happen nowadays. I mean, Trump is not going to get into a car, into a convertible and be driven around a downtown. No, not even. But even, I mean, can you, they put the exact route he was taking. Yeah. All over the newspapers and, the, and TV and everything. When they opened the George W. Bush Presidential Museum and all the living presidents and first ladies came. Mm-hmm. So it was like H.W., Gerald Ford. No, not Gerald Ford. Jimmy Carter. I get those mixed up. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd played both of them on Center Live. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's easy. Uh, Jimmy Carter and, uh, you know, H.W., actual Bush, and then uh, Obama and Clinton were all there. And they had snipers at, so the George W. Bush Museum and Library is at Mockingbird and 75 mm-hmm. on one side of the highway. They had snipers in a friend of mine's office. They were like, you can't be in your office today. The Secret Service is going to be in here. In Across the highway. Yeah. I mean, they were in, it's like they think of every possible oh, angle. Yeah. When uh, Obama was here uh, a few years ago. I was stuck in traffic, like standstill traffic, for about forty-five minutes because they blocked oh, off the highways. Yeah, you I remember. I just drive didn't. I, I just worked late. I was like, I just won't yeah. leave today. Yeah, Trump was here uh, not too long ago, and the same thing. I was like, what the hell's going on? They're like, the president's in town. Yeah, so you can't even drive around, let alone walk down to where they're going to be. On one of those documentaries, there was a lady that she was like fifteen or sixteen at the time. She was on the curb. Yeah. Probably. She probably could have, if she took two steps forward, high-fived him. Put her hand on the car. High-fived him. Yeah. And just was standing there. There just, were, like, no barricades. Yeah. Maybe in the 1960s, people behaved themselves a little bit more. <laughs> well, that is, I do agree with that. But also when um, he left the presidential breakfast and went outside to get into his car, yeah, people were right on the curb. I mean, children, families, Five like, feet there away. was, there was nothing stopping and people back then didn't get patted down. There weren't, uh, metal detectors or anything you it walked through. No, it wasn't a controlled area at all. It was literally just the public and you just could walk up and stand on the sidewalk and you could have thrown an egg or a grenade. Yeah. Which it's insane. And when, the, uh, that's what I was going to say. When he, uh, left Fort Worth and got into the car, he, did something unprecedented where he went out into the crowd. Oh God. And you know, the he Secret and Jackie Service both, like... and the secret service was freaking out. But at the same time, they were like, there are so many people here that it would be hard for someone to come up and attack him because they'd have to get through so many people. Well, snipers don't have to get through a lot of people. Or also, who knows? You could stab him. You could yeah. like look at RFK. He was going through a tiny kitchen. Yeah. It's, it's wild that, well, I think it was just such such little precaution was, was taken. And it just sort of was unprecedented. Yeah. I mean, you know, there wasn't 
I mean, I guess Abraham Lincoln. Well, back in the like 1900s, in the early 1900s, there had been assassinations. But my apologies for my ignorance. But how did the other two presidents die? Shooting. They shot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because Abraham Lincoln was direct. I mean, it was blood. Yeah, the, all three it? of them were killed. Every president that's been range? assassinated have been shot. Garfield, I believe, was shot in the stomach. Um, okay, for my ignorance, you're telling me McKinley and Garfield, Garfield were both shot, but died from complications and infections, and not anything that was. They did not die at the time. At the yes, scene, they each okay. died weeks, if not months later. Wow. Yeah, that's tough. It is tough. Yeah. So I guess they're like. Well, I'll put on my tinfoil hat. If you're like, we we know that this is going to happen, then we don't really care how much security we're providing the president because at the end of the day, he's going to get killed anyways. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they this was a plot by the CIA. Yeah, I, I absolutely <laughs> agree with that. But if you we'll get into it if that wasn't happening, the lack of consideration they took for his safety is kind of outstanding. In Houston and in every other city, he had motorcycles that were all around him that, you know... Protect. I don't know that that would protect you from a sniper, but yeah, they have this bubble that's supposed to save him, not just from the rain. It was like that's a don't shoot the president bubble. Yeah, and they were like, you know what, man, it's really nice. Don't you want to exactly. the bubble off? Well, it had been raining that morning in Fort Worth, but it cleared up by the time they arrived in Dallas. The skies were clear, the sun was out, and it was sixty-seven degrees. It's a nice day. It sounds kind of like the day we had today. It might have been a little cooler. A custom bubble top had been made for the president's convertible, but because the weather was so nice, it was decided they would not use it and would instead ride with the top down. Oh, is that what they decided? That's But see, but again, like, what if it had been pouring down rain? They would have probably shot him in another city. Do you think that they were just like, whenever we have an opportunity, take it? Dallas was, uh, it was planned in advance. Right, but I'm saying, like, the weather could have, that you can't plan. Correct, yeah. Could have fucked it all up. Oh, absolutely. In which case, they could have shot him in the kitchen of the trademark. Or, you know what I mean? They could have. Oh, yeah, okay. I see, yeah. He, and was he was scheduled plans. to go to Austin that evening. Yeah, they could and have done then, it in Austin. And uh, somewhere else the next day. So, yeah, I mean, there were other opportunities as well. Well, at 12.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, the motorcade entered Dealey Plaza, which, for those of you that aren't from here, Dealey Plaza is the area in which... Uh, Elm and Houston Street and all of this takes place where the Grassy Knoll is and the Texas Book Depository. When I was a little girl, my mom would say, if you're driving downtown, there's Commerce, Main, and Elm. It's the three main streets. Mm-hmm. Commerce goes one way, Elm goes the other way, and Main goes both ways. Main's in the middle. And so it's like these three. It's So yeah. people who are from real cities that have uh, like a grid system with like numbered streets of like the numbers go north to south and then the letters go east to west. We don't have that here. But in downtown, we have Commerce, Main, and Elm, mm-hmm. and then there's a bunch of whatnot crazy other streets that cross it. And He's coming down in those three streets, feed from one end of downtown, the highways, to the other highways on the other end of downtown. So at the front of the motorcade was an unmarked white Ford occupied by Dallas Police Chief Jesse Curry, Sheriff Bill Decker, and Winston Lawson and Forrest Sorrells, the special service agents that had designed this motorcade route. Following them was President Kennedy's 1961 Lincoln Continental Convertible. In addition to the president, this car also contained Governor John Connolly, his wife Nellie, and Jackie Kennedy. Bringing up the rear was a 1955 Cadillac convertible, which held several more Secret Service agents and presidential aides. 
running alongside the cars and on the running boards were even more Secret Service agents, including Jackie Kennedy's personal bodyguard, Clint Hill. Between 150,000 to 200,000 people had come out to witness history as the president and the first lady passed by. By all eyewitness accounts, pictures, and film, it shows that they started out in great spirits. As the motorcade turned left onto Elm Street, Nellie Connolly turned back to President Kennedy and said, Mr. President, you can't say Dallas doesn't love you. To which he replied, No, you certainly can't. These would be the last words he would ever say. Moments later, as the convertible passed by the Texas School Book Depository, shots rang out. When I was uh, in sixth grade, we took a trip, field trip to the Texas Book Depository, mm -hmm. and they don't let you get directly in the window that Lee Harvey Oswald mm. was supposedly in. There's like a glass box around yeah. it. But even from the next window over, it's just, there's just no way. <laughs> <laughs> you're like no, way. no matter how good a shot you are this would not maybe happen. now if you had like a digital scope and like a good sure, rifle, sure. A shitty yeah. rifle but the and also for anybody who wants to come to texas they have a whole museum six floor museum is great and there's a little replica of the uh the window that has all the little boxes set up and yes. the gun and and everything you can look at what it looked like so there are many different accounts of how many shots were fired from where the shots came, and how many shooters there were. Like we said, we're going to just talk about what the Warren Commission put out as the official report in this episode. 80% of the people that were there that day report hearing three shots fired. That includes police officers, lay people, FBI agents. Yes. I mean, it's not just a couple people. It's just dozens and dozens oh, and dozens Oh, hundreds of and hundreds, yeah. yeah. According to the Warren Commission and the House Select Committee on Assassinations, Kennedy was waving to the crowds on his right with his right arm upraised on the side of the convertible when a shot entered his upper back, penetrated his neck, and slightly damaged a spinal vertebrae and the top of his right lung. This is all a lie. <laughs> <laughs> the bullet then exited just beneath his larynx and nicked the left side of his suit tie knot. He raised his elbows and clenched his fist in front of his face and neck, then leaned forward and to the left. I got to say, the whole time I was reading this, all I could Seinfeld. think about was that Seinfeld. Seinfeld. <laughs> With Keith Hernandez yes. and the Magic Loogie. I, found, I met Keith Hernandez, and I just was like, you're on Seinfeld. Did you say that? Yeah. What did he say? He was just like, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I would have said, too. He's just a nice guy. It was just like, I care nothing about baseball. For those who haven't watched Seinfeld, there's an episode where Kramer and Newman were at a Dodger game, and they talked shit to Keith Hernandez for missing some uh, hit, and then he supposedly spit on them, and then they do this whole reenactment, like the Kennedy Zapruder film. And Which is great because Newman, the, who the actor plays Newman, was in J Oliver oh, Stone's yes. JFK, too. Yeah. 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 So it was very fun. So, yeah. The head supposedly goes forward, forward and to the left. And in the, the Zapruder film, you clearly, and all the photos taken, you do clearly see JFK, like, bring his hands up to his throat and just this look of, like, sheer what the fuck just happened yeah. on his face. And Jackie kind of turns to him and she wasn't even really sure what was going on because everyone, her and almost all of the secret service thought it was just, it was, the crowd was throwing firecrackers or thought it was a car. Or a car she said she thought it was a car. Yeah. And she, in documentaries I've watched, she was like, what, what is happening? And then the second shot rings out. Mm -hmm. 
Well, the Warren Commission goes on to say that Governor Connolly was also hit. Here we go. By the same bullet that hit JFK, the first shot, as it penetrated his back just below his right armpit, destroying four inches of his right fifth rib. It then exited his chest just below his right nipple and struck his arm just above his right wrist, cleanly shattering his right radius bone into eight pieces. The bullet then exited just below the wrist at the inner side of his right palm and finally lodged in his left inner thigh. This would become known as the single bullet theory. It is also completely scientifically impossible and an yeah. insane thing to think. <laughs> it's, it is so crazy that a, a governing body was like, just tell you know what we can one. tell him. It was just one bullet. And then we'll get into it in the next episode. But as Connolly is on a stretcher, uh, one of the uh, the agents that is in the room with him go, oh, oh, look, a bullet's on the stretcher with you. This must be the bullet that came out mm-hmm. of your body. And it's com- there's no striations. Yeah. It's never been it's fired like a from clean a clean bullet. Yeah. It's just like, oh, oopsie. I wonder how this bullet got here. Well, when the second bullet, when the second shot rings out. Connolly, by all accounts of every, everyone that survived that was in the car, was yelling, oh, my God, they're going to kill us all. Oh, yeah. There's so many times where there it was like, they're going to kill us all. Or... They got us. Yeah, they are... Like these... Like, who's they? Who's there? The you know, city. if you're... So, when the people that are being t- attacked, their first thought is... It's to go to that. There's something to be said for that. And I will say, and we'll get into the next one too, JFK was like fully prepared to die. Like he really felt like he was going to get taken out one way or the other. And poor Jackie, when that, well, I think the third bullet is what, what got him in the head. But yeah. um, she's just sitting there like looking, I'm cradling her freaking husband's head in her lap. Well, the two investigative committees... The Warren Commission and the House Select, House Select Committee. Committee concluded that the second shot to hit the president entered the rear of his head. However, the House Select Committee placed the entry wound four inches higher than the Warren Commission placed it, which I don't understand that. How can there be any discrepancy when you can see where the bullet entered? It's almost like they're making stuff up. It's almost like <laughs> someone destroyed all the autopsy pictures and replaced and, them with artists rendering and there's no documentation. It's almost like they what shoved, really happened. They shoved the Texas medical the Dallas medical examiner out of the way and said, You will not look at this body, get out of the yeah. way. Well, the fatal shot sent Kennedy's brain matter and skull fragments all over the car and his fellow passengers. Jackie would refuse to change out of her blood-sloped clothes for the rest of the day. She it said in this documentary, and we'll put in there, I believe this one was called JFK, The Lost Assassination Tapes. But people kept telling, asking her, like, um, it's making everyone really uncomfortable that you're still in the suit, that your husband's brain was splattered all over. Can you change into what you were wearing the day before in San Antonio? And she Can was you like, eat my ass? Well, my she, husband just got yeah, shot. She said, no, I want... I want the world to see what they did to him. Again, what they did to him. Everyone knows. They all were like, yep, this is, like, it's happened. Like, months before this happened, Dwight Eisenhower wrote a New York Times op-ed that was like, the CIA is out of control. They're a fourth branch of unchecked power. They are doing their own thing. You can't 
there's no stopping them. And that that wasn't lost on JFK. He also didn't listen oh, yeah. to the Joint Chiefs of Staff on a lot of political moves that they disagreed with. And he's like, this could get me killed. Yeah. I'm yeah. telling you. And he had said before, if anyone wanted to kill him, it would be a point blank sniper bullet. Just take to it out. Head. Yeah, that's how they could take him out. Well, like we said, when the first shot was fired, most of the Secret Service, who was riding in cars behind, thought someone was just setting off firecrackers or a car backfired. Clint Hill, who was Jackie Kennedy's personal bodyguard, is the only one that realized the president had been shot because he saw him clutching his throat. Clint Hill ran to the convertible and frantically climbed onto the back of it as Jackie reached out her hands and climbed towards him. And everyone has seen this classic footage. He thought at the time she was trying to retrieve part of her husband's brain on the trunk of the car. Gosh. And the and uh, Governor Conley and his wife said she they both said she was screaming, I have his brain. I'm holding his brains in my hand. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, it's and that's I can't even I mean Sam seeing the same thing happen to your child, I honestly don't think a, you could witness a worse thing in life. Absolutely not. And they talk about, in law school, they talk about, like, damages when, say, like, you're standing on the sidewalk and you see, you know, a family member or a child or whatever hit by a car that you can retreat, you know, you can get damages for the, the mental anguish. Yeah. And when it's someone that's as close as a husband or a child, you genuinely do feel a physiological reaction to that trauma yeah. and pain. Yeah. I mean, she was in such shock. She's just thinking, gather his bits and pieces. Maybe we can put it back together. Exactly. And and she was, even after that shot hit him in the head, she was clutching his head saying, Jack, can you hear me? Can yeah. you hear me? Are you okay? Like, it, you're in such shock, it doesn't even register yeah. with you really what's happened. And that's our body's way of protecting us because we would just fucking go insane right there. have a heart attack. Yeah. Well, Hill gets her back into the car and it speeds off to Parkland Hospital, which is six minutes away. Upon arrival at the hospital, the president was immediately taken into surgery where a tracheotomy and cardiopulmonary resuscitation were performed. However, it was pointless as the staff at Parkland had declared his condition as moribund upon arrival, which means... There was no saving him. He was dead once he showed up. Yeah, they said they hooked him up to, like, the most, absolutely, like, most technologically I mean, you have to. Well, they hooked him up to the most advanced machine to be like, is there any chance of still a heartbeat? And they said once they put him on that, they're like, this would detect even if you, I mean, like, you were... The slightest The slightest, and there's nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even if he shows up, I mean, as he did with his head blown off, he's the president. You've got to at least fake it fake that you're doing something. And I think the staff at Parkland genuinely were. They oh, were doing hell yeah. It, and they wanted to do everything by the book and do it properly. Yes. And that's why the the medical examiner's like, okay, well, someone was killed in Dallas and my job is to perform an autopsy. And the Secret Service is like, the fuck out of the way, we're yeah. taking him away. And yeah. he's like, oh, uh, excuse me, I just need to quickly. And they're like, nope, move. And they take the body away. And for those that aren't from here, Parkland is actually a very terrible hospital, but they have the best trauma unit in the in the state, if not the co- one yes. in the country. They, but it's a it's, it's a, it's a, a very, county it's a county hospital, it's a so county it doesn't have a lot of funding. Yeah. It is attached to UT Southwestern, which is a teaching and a yeah. uh, research hospital. But yet, yeah, if you you know, and people are like, I got a job at Parkland in the ER, and people are like, Parkland's a loser hospital. You have to be excellent to get oh, into yes, Parkland yes. ER, especially if, as a if doctor. Something happened to Heather. I. We would not want to go to Parkland. No, no, we, no. That would not be our first hospital. I would want to go to UT Southwestern. 
No, I would probably want to go to Baylor. Presley. Really? I don't you know. Wanna, I don't know. You really, you would want to go to Baylor where they let Dr. Death kill a bunch of people and they didn't <laughs> no, do anything about it? No, that was at Medical City. Nope, that was also at Baylor. <laughs> Baylor was Plano. Not a, Baylor Plano. It was the Baylor system made the decision not to. <laughs> well, but yes, UT they have a great, uh, they have a great maternity board. <laughs> at Medical City is where my, both my nieces were born. Oh. That's really an interesting aside for people that don't live in yeah, Dallas. Yeah. Well, Jackie wanted to be let into the trauma room to remain by her husband's side. Same. But was not allowed. Same. I would have won. I would have been like, oh, hell yeah. I would have been like, you know what? Pull me out of here. Well, they wouldn't let her. And she was quoted as saying, how can I see anything worse than what I've already seen? Which I'm like, yeah, you just saw your head, husband's head get blown off. Come on in. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's beyond repair anyways. Spend every moment Last you can. Last second. Yeah. yeah. And it's not like she's going to do anything to mess it up. No. At 12.55 p.m., two priests were called to the room to perform the last rites. Can you believe that is the priest? Hmm? That you're the priest that they call in? And the priest said when he walked in, the president had already passed. He was laying on the table with a sheet over, and he had to pull the sheet back to perform the last rites. The other priest stayed outside in the hall by Jackie's side and asked a nurse to get a wet towel to wipe the blood off of Jackie's hands and gloves. However, Jackie refused, saying she preferred to keep it that way. So she, in my mind's eye, she's literally holding on to just every drop of him. Exactly. Isn't that heartbreaking? (sighs) Like, you're like, this is the last I have of him. And even... I, I don't want anyone to take it away. Well, and they talked about, you know, and, and they had a rocky marriage here and there. And sure. he was known, you know, to have be kind of a womanizer. But And she knew that. Well, but in the months before when they lost their son, Patrick, yeah. when she went into premature labor, he was in a meeting with uh, some ambassadors. And they got the call. And they're like, you, Mr. President, the, your wife's in the hospital. She'll be okay. He's like, I got to go. Yeah. And he went and was right by her side and was really caring through all that and read her poetry and was really sweet. So I think this was kind of like... They started and, and they said whenever she after going through that, whenever he was going to go on this national tour, she said, I'll go anywhere with you. I just want to be with you. I just yeah. want to go anywhere with you. And even if you didn't have a good marriage, this kind of levels the playing field. I, well, as you say, even no matter what, I think they truly did love each other. And he he grew up in a family with a very sexually dysfunctional yes. family with his father having sex with women while they had dinner at the dinner table. And, and his dad did a fucking number on him. Promoting. And infidelity yeah and joe kennedy hoard around and that's all the kids knew but i think that jack really did love jackie but i think uh you know in this case she really and like you said any fights or infidelity or any shit that they had it fell by the way oh hell yeah well at 1 p.m jfk was pronounced dead however for safety reasons his death would not be announced to the public until lbj had safely returned to air force one at approximately 1.26 p.m., LBJ left the hospital to head back to Air Force One. While Jackie was supposed to accompany him, she refused to leave the hospital without her husband's remains. I would have been a goddamn mess. I mean, they would have picked me up off the floor. And she's, like, walking on her own accord, you well, know, uh, still making, like, chit-chat with the hospital staff. Well, if you look at, like, pictures of her, I just feel like there's, like, this, like, resolve behind her eyes where she's like, yeah. I know someone did this oh, to Oh, yeah. Him. Yeah. And she's all, but at the same time, you're like, wow, uh, well, I, I was here with my husband. He's no longer the president. Now the vice president's getting sworn in. 
where do I fit into this equation? Where am I even going to sleep when I get back to yeah. DC? They're not going to kick you out immediately. No, but they like give you thirty days. But it's like a. It's just you no longer have that. This you're you're you're, you're not even the same down. person that you that you were when you arrived. You got to go home and tell your kids who he oh was super God. close to Caroline. You know, go up, daddy ain't coming home. Yeah. Oh, those poor kids. Well, the Kennedy team wanted to take JFK's body back to D.C. to have the autopsy performed. But the Dallas County coroner, Earl Rose, believed he was obligated to perform it. Ultimately, the Secret Service won out, and at 2 p.m., the bronze casket carrying Kennedy's body was transported to Love Field and loaded onto Air Force One. Yeah, this is the guy I was telling you about where they, like, the Secret Service literally shoved like, him out of the get way. The fuck out of the They're way. like, we don't have to tell you anything. We're not doing anything. Get out. Yeah. And, um, the, uh, one of the men that worked from the funeral home that brought the casket helped load his body on. And he was like, my hands were covered in JFK's blood. I mean, they, there was, not anything done to repair him before they put him in the cast. It was just like how he was when he showed up was how he left that hospital. Wow. And he's the same man said that Jackie took off her wedding band and put it on JFK's hand and kissed his hand in, in his mouth. And the body was still warm. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, she, I can't, it's, it's so upsetting to think she's about. do so much. Yeah. Also, when they got him to Air Force One, they the the um, the flight the flight crew of Air Force One, out of respect, would not put him in the hull. So they oh. had the door removed to the the main body of the plane and took out rows of seats, so wow. they could load the casket into the main body of the plane. And Jackie just sat in sat in the back with him and had her hand on the casket the whole way back to DC. Hmm. Yeah. Well, at one thirty-three, woman is a hero. Yeah, she really. She, yes, at one thirty-three p.m., Malcolm Kildos, acting White House press secretary, announced to a room full of reporters that the president of the United States was dead. Have you seen the? You've seen the Walter Cronkite? Yes, footage. yes, and classic. He's, I mean, he's just first of all a classic voice of American yes. journalism, but just that when he takes his glasses off and just puts his hands mm-hmm. on his eyes and he's like, he was pronounced dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you believe that? That yeah. was the first, I mean, he's like, I just pulled it off the, the teletype machine and then looked at it and was like, I have to tell everybody. Yeah. I was watching an interview with him and he said, people will ask me, was I embarrassed that I showed emotion? And he says, no, I think I, one, did a great job of not showing more emotion. Yeah, not losing <laughs> Having it. to report this. But also... He's he. I'm. He was like, I'm human. Yeah. I'm reporting that our president has just been killed. If you want no emotion, then just put the print up on screen. Oh yeah. Yeah. And all the footage of WFAA, which is a local news station here in Dallas, the uh, of them reporting it too. What's so crazy is all of the people are smoking on TV. Isn't that why <laughs> I, I was watching this, and that's what stood out to me. I'm like. Everyone is smoking, and it was so like everyone smoked all the time yes, forever. Yes, it was so conversational in a kind of unprofessional way. How they would like somebody would just bring a piece of paper and they would just kind of cover the mic and be like, "Are you sure this is this is what's happening?" Before it was, but I I think everyone was in such shock and panic that this was happening that there was no they're like, "Give me a cigarette." There was Susie. no playbook on how to yeah. do something like this. Yeah, but it it is crazy how they were all smoking. And when we get to the Oswald, 60s, it was crazy how much press had access to him and how much he was speaking to the press with 
no lawyer present nope. and just openly talking. I was, I am a patsy. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, back on Air Force One, Johnson insisted that he be sworn as president before taking off. And at 2.38 p.m., with Jackie by his side to bear witness, he was sworn in as the new president of the United States. Unless I'm completely wrong, I believe he was sworn in by Sarah T. Hughes. He was. By, which is a famous female judge in Texas. And they were and a friend of the Johnsons. Yeah. Yes. And so, there's a scholarship at SMU in her honor. Oh. Uh, so one of the documentaries I was watching kind of paints the Johnson camp as being insensitive to the Kennedys once this whole swearing in takes place. He gets to Air Force One before Jackie does because she's waiting for Mm -hmm. the body to be transported. And some reports say that they were very irritated that Jackie was running behind and not showing up because he wanted this to, to take place very quickly. And then she gets there and has to just stand there and be the witness while it while this is happening. And then they all kind of were like, okay, and just left her alone. And she was just in the back of the cabin with her hand on the coffin the whole way back while the Johnson camp is now just trying to get everything rolling. I will, again, this is, <laughs> I have a big heart. I don't, I really am pro LBJ for a lot of reasons. And I think that if you think, they didn't know who did it. At sure. this point. No. What if it's the Soviets? What if we're about to go to war? No, Johnson we're... wanted to get back to D.C. He's like, we need to fucking he get back. Like, He's get, like, I need get to join this, Chiefs. Get I this need fucking plane yes. back. So I don't think it was like, all right, bitch, stop being sad. It was like, I love you. I'm sorry. You have to get on the plane. We have to go. Yeah. Um, Because it, you're in cri- the country's in crisis. Like, yeah. you, you know, we were saying before, off air before we started recording, like, if something like this happened in the modern age, it would be fucking mass chaos. Oh, yeah. It's mass chaos. Definitely. I, I don't even want to think about what, no. What would happen? Well, meanwhile, back at Dealey Plaza, the scene was full of chaos, confusion, terror, and grief. No one was entirely sure what had just happened. Some thought the shots had come from behind the grassy knoll, while others were convinced they came from the book depository. Howard Brennan had been watching the motorcade across the street from the book depository when he heard the first shot come from above. He told police he looked up and saw a man with a rifle leaning out of the northwest window of the sixth floor. He said he had just seen the same man looking out it minutes before. Two employees of the book depository told police they had been watching from the southeast corner of the fifth floor when they heard shots being fired from above them and the sound of cartridges dropping on the floor above them. When Lee Harvey Oswald's supervisor at the depository reported him missing to the police, an APB was put out with his description, and the manhunt began. What's crazy is one of the officers that went into the book depository ran into, ran into Oswald, and the manager was like, he's fine, he's an employee, and they just let him go. Pardon me, sir. Yeah, but the, but the officer said he didn't seem uh, out of breath or irritate or you know like flustered like he had just fucking shot the president or anything he was a cia operative he just he just walked out Following oh, that's, orders. is that what you're oh i have a is? whole theory <laughs> he did not he was not her the, eyes just lit up like a kid on christmas <laughs> <laughs> he was not the trigger man but he oh, was part yeah well he was a patsy essentially he was a patsy yes police immediately began to search the book depository and soon found what they believed to be the rifle that had been used to shoot the president and governor. They would be wrong. That is not the rifle. Next to the rifle <laughs> was some chicken. Hell yeah. 
because, you know, you're there for a while. You're a little hungry. And several soft drinks, indicating the shooter had been posting up there for a while. <laughs> it would later be determined, again, this is what the Warren Commission says. Allegedly. Allegedly. That Oswald had bought the rifle from a Chicago mail-order house for $12.78. Okay, he didn't. But isn't it crazy that he that you could buy a gun? You can mail order a gun. You stand in a freaking uh, couple you can, of bucks. You can do that right now. No, you okay. can buy it on the internet. But yeah, on the dark web. Well, but for you go less, to a gun show and there's a man out with a table and mesquite at the mesquite all uh, the time. Big town mall all the time. There's that billboard right off thirty. There's a constant gun show happening. In mesquite. And mesquite is the suburb of Dallas where I'm from. Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Go get you a gun. <laughs> well, a few miles away in the neighborhood of Oak Cliff. Which is a great neighborhood, by the way. It is. Those houses are beautiful. Mm -hmm. Barbecue. Officer J.D. Tippett spotted Oswald walking down the street. He had received the suspect's description over his radio and called Oswald over to his squad car. Helen Markham, an eyewitness, later testified that after the two men exchanged words, Tippett got out of his car and Oswald proceeded to shoot him four times. Officer Tippett would not survive. So I think Oswald... Or I think he did this. An Oswald impersonator. Lookalike. There are two Oswalds. We'll get into it in the next episode. Uh -oh. The the book that I have been listening to that is ungodly in length. It is so long, and I <laughs> what's it called? It's called uh, oh shit! I was just listening to it before we started recording because it's mostly it's about like the background, and it's uh, it's called JFK and the Unspeakable by James W. Douglas, and it's a lot about. Uh, I only have two hours and forty two minutes remaining. I can make it. That's that's. <laughs> That's some that's some length of an audiobook in its Welcome entirety. to Heather McKinney's world where it's an eighteen hour of audiobook and I listen to it on one point seven five speed. Oh, nice. Uh, but they there that whole book is like one of the considered like one of the best researched books. And there was basically there was a guy rolling around Dallas that looked like Lee Harvey Oswald that was making the splashes at multiple places, like at a gun range, mm. and he's like waving a gun around and he's like yelling about going back to Russia at a a car dealership. Basically, there's a guy, and Oswald's just a basic ass looking white dude. I mean, mm -hmm. it wouldn't be that hard to find somebody to look like him. So I think that that was fake Oswald that shot the officer. Interesting. Interesting. We'll get into it in the next episode. Well, a manager of a nearby store also witnessed the shooting and then saw Oswald or fake Oswald sneak into the Texas Call theater. Oswald. <laughs> sneak into the Texas theater, which is a great theater here, yeah. uh, also haunted, without paying. Call he, the cops. He called the theater, who then called the police. When police arrived, they discovered an agitated Lee Harvey Oswald. As he resisted arrest, he was heard yelling, Well, it's all over now! Well, what does that mean? The jig is up. Mean? Roughly 70 minutes from the first shot being fired, Lee Harvey Oswald was arrested for the murder of JFK and Officer Tippett. Shout out to Jamie McCraw, who's in my Watermelon Improv Troupe, whose dad was an usher this day at the Texas Whoa, Theater. Oh, he was there when this went down? Mm -hmm. He Damn. said it was just like some guy walked in without a ticket, and he's like, I think he was a teenager or early 20s, and was just like, ah, well, he also, And he also had a gun. Yeah, I because mean, he, apparently when he was resisting arrest, some people said he tried to pull the gun on the officers as yeah, well. so... 
Well, Oswald vehemently denied shooting anyone and repeatedly claimed that he was a patsy and was being targeted because he used to live in the Soviet Union. There's a, We got a lot to cover yes. on the next episode. Yes. And he did used to live in the Soviet he did. Union. He did. And just a few weeks prior, he'd been arrested in New Orleans That's and a given a $10 fine for distributing communist uh, literature propaganda. Yes. there's a, We got a lot to cover. <laughs> Two days later, at 11.21 a.m., Oswald was being escorted to a car in the basement of Dallas City Hall to be taken to the county jail when Jack Ruby, owner of the Carousel Nightclub, fatally shot him on live TV. Oswald was immediately taken by ambulance to Parkland Hospital, where just two days earlier, doctors had tried to save President Kennedy's life. He was pronounced dead at 1.07 p.m. It's just such a strange string of events. Yes. I mean, there. When you this find is the where, truth out, when is, you find out the truth, this is where it gets. Most people say those that believe in conspiracy theories are nuts. To me, in this situation, if you if you be, don't believe in a conspiracy theory, you're the nut. Here. Well, if you don't, if you believe the Warren Commission, which again, it's so problematic. The people on it were the people that wanted this to happen. Yeah. So of course they're going to cover it up. Sure. But this this is one of the next. You know, first of all the whole shooting and autopsy, et cetera. But then, like, why would a well-known exactly. mafioso shoot this guy? Why were the cops walking him through uh, an area where there was access? Why, you know, it's Well, just- and, and apparent, supposedly, the only people that were allowed down in that basement were reporters or, yeah. or people that had ID. And others thought Ruby was a CIA agent. Yeah. Is they thought how- he was Secret Service. So, but... He would have had to have shown some sort of ID if he was going to be down there, or would he? Because he's they want him down there to take the fall for this. I think. Well, so yeah, usually in a police sally port, it's totally closed off to anybody that's not official. But I think I don't think the CIA and the mafia work clo- worked closely and together. And Ruby was in he the was, mafia. Well, yeah, yes. he was well connected in uh, organized crime. So, and they said that a guy in. Uh, I think it was a guy in New Orleans that was an organized crime guy, had some kind of badge. That basically oh, yeah. Had- I'm sure that there's all sorts of fake stuff that would get him down there. Well, Ruby later claimed that he was distraught over the Kennedy assassination and that killing Oswald would spare Mrs. Kennedy the discomfiture of coming back to trial. They sold that gun later on. Jack Ruby's gun. Oh, yeah? His brother sold it. Oh my God! Yeah, he sold it for like a hundred and something thousand dollars. That's he's disgusting. like people. Yeah, people say I'm profiting off of the tragedy, but and those people are right. <laughs> you, that's like, exactly what like, you're doing. You have no rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. However, none of the DPD believed Oswald was killed due to political fervor, but rather so he couldn't talk. So at Correct. this point, even the cops are like, "Oh, wait a minute." I honestly think. If Oswald hadn't been, well, if Oswald hadn't been shot, he would have run his mouth and blown everything. But this is what was the first red flag that this is a fucking conspiracy and a cover up. Absolutely. So there probably was a different way they could have killed him that would have been a little more under the radar. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the autopsy, we've spoken of that a few times. At 8 p.m. that evening, the autopsy of JFK's body was performed at Bethesda Naval Hospital. It would last more than four hours. Bobby Kennedy, who was now by Jackie's side, and Jackie were concerned that because such an extensive autopsy was being performed, 
that the drugs JFK had been taking for various health problems would be discovered tainting his public image because he was a very sickly man. He was so the pictures you see of him, he's always tan. He's wearing smiling. a lot of makeup. He, yep, he's tan. He's smiling. He's laughing. He was decrepit. He was circling the drain. I mean, no joke. He had Addison's disease. He had advanced syphilis. They said he had uh, horrible he back problems. Very sickly child. He had scarlet fever. He had a recurring malaria after he came back from World War II. I mean, he was constantly very Ill. bad back pain. We, I I will also address one of my mom's favorite uh, television shows was like the, the doc, like JFK's doctor and they called him Doctor Feelgood and eventually <laughs> he stopped going to see that guy. But before he did, and of course, the, you know, obviously the the Secret Service and like the White House people uh, really didn't like this guy. But he had these like um, famous injections that he would give JFK that and JFK's like I feel great. Yeah. I feel totally. What is it? Morphine? It, yeah. Well. Okay, so the thing that he injected, basically it was amphetamines. Yeah. <laughs> like, they talked about... Um, I'd feel great, too. It had a mixture of, like, amphetamines, vitamins, B12, morphine. It would get you high and even you out. I mean, it was... It was a, it was a nice little cocktail. And oh oh there was a uh, human like placenta in it too. Oh. I mean it was insane. And but JFK was quoted as saying, "I don't care if it's horse piss, it makes me feel great." <laughs> uh, but then eventually they're like, "Mr. President, you're fucking high and you're making <laughs> insane choices." <laughs> yeah. We can't and luckily they early in his presidency, they banned that guy and they got real doctors in the White House. Um because they were concerned that JFK was going to get all jacked up on these amphetamines and be like, let's bomb Russia. And so yeah, luckily like they... Like our current fucking president? You know, maybe he's seeing Dr. Feelgood. We don't know. <laughs> well, they were concerned that this information about the drugs would get out. What they didn't realize is that nothing was going to get out from that Correct. autopsy. There was a naval photographer there taking pictures. Like the assassination, much controversy and conspiracy surrounds the autopsy. Was it even the same body? Why did the military confiscate all the x-rays and replace the pictures with artist's impression? Why is the photographer who took video and photos, and he worked for the Navy, he was a member of the Navy, right after he retired from the Navy, was found shot in the head mm -hmm. at his office? To cast even more suspicion, to this day, no one knows what happened to JFK's brain. Jesus. Because of all this, many believe the Warren Commission reached its conclusions based on falsified evidence, furthering the belief that this entire operation was a government conspiracy and cover-up. It absolutely was. And we are going to get into all of them on our next episode. There's so much to cover. I don't even know how... Some of And some are, yes, this probably happened, and some are, okay, this is crazy, but fun. Yeah. But the the I think you always say, what do we think, Heather? And we'll get into it in the next episode. The CIA did it. I, I totally agree. I, I think job. that uh, the CIA was trying to get rid of him because of his uh, beliefs and opinions on Cuba and oh, or on, on Russia and, and nuclear, Cuba. Yeah, yeah just he, nuclear weapons in he general. He wanted total nuclear disarmament, and they were like, but we want a war because yeah. it makes money for us. Yes. And, and he wanted to get out of Vietnam and... Uh, they the military industrial complex very much wanted to go in further in mm -hmm. Vietnam. So it's always interesting when people are like, "Our government could never do something like that." People, sheeple, 
<laughs> you have no idea what our government is capable of. No joke. And when you really do this book, I'm telling you that I'm reading, it's like, it's incredibly well researched. It's all based on, it came out after the release of a ton of documents. So mm-hmm. that's why, I mean, they've pieced all this together and it's, it's nothing, nothing in it is like, it was the aliens, which I know no. I jokingly said the alien, they the shot shrimp him, dart. Yeah. They shot him with a shrimp <laughs> dart. No, it, it's generally like there. And there's also the video, uh, that Oliver Stone or the behind the scenes of the Oliver mm-hmm. Stone movie, that deaf guy that was on yes, the yes. bridge and he witnessed his dad witnessed it. And then yes, he told him about, told him about, it. about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's so crazy watching that. Um, because first of all, watching anyone do sign language is just beautiful to me because you are not just hearing the words, but you're like seeing this, like acted out and just see like emotion and expression that comes from, from the signing. And it's really fascinating He's to see so... him sign how his dad relayed him seeing the president get his head blown up. Yeah. But not only that, but then turning around and seeing a man with a rifle walk over to the railroad tracks, pack it away and hand it to a and guy hand it to another man and walk away. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into all of that and more so much on more. the next one. I'm very, the JF, when I was in middle school and was in soccer Anytime it was raining and we couldn't practice, our coach would take us in the office and have us watch JFK conspiracy <laughs> documentaries. That was Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. That was where I was first introduced to like the Zapruder film and all and ever since then I've just been fascinated with it because it is one of those things that like everyone knows something crazy happened, but no one really knows what happened. But it's just it was for the whole world to see. That's wild. You do it in broad daylight. That's when they least suspect it. It is insane. So, all right. Well, some shout outs. We want to shout out Liz from Dallas, who runs the Karen Kilgarf uh, Instagram fan account. She started following us and sent us a really cool oh, message. Oh, nice. She's listening and she said she remembers that Albertsons when it opened and they had flags out. I was like, girl, you were there. <laughs> Whoa, girl, God. You were at the that, scene is, the crowd. that is my legacy. I um, will be known for nothing else except that I shit in my car in Albertsons parking lot. Um, I can't also, wait for Ella to get old enough to be like, that was my mom. Mommy, that's that's embarrassing. <laughs> uh, I would also like to shout out Elise from Philadelphia. Oh. When I visited her, she gave me two really good books about local Philly legends and murders. One Ooh. is like a haunted hotel and one's like an unsolved murder. Oh, and so um, much political haunting too there. Yeah. Did you go on your food tour? Oh my gosh. Shout out, super shout out to Chew Philly Food Tour. If you weren't planning on going to Philadelphia, Go to that place and go at it's Chew Philly. I think it's called phillyfoodtours.com, but it's like Chew, like you what yeah. Christy hates to hear Tommy do. <laughs> um, and we did the chestnut, I, I say we, I did the Chestnut Hill uh, food tour and I had this sandwich that is called a Schmitter. Whoa. And it's from McNally's Tavern and it, there's a picture of it on my Instagram. It is the, I think of, I think back on the sandwich like an old lover. <laughs> I just, I salivate at the thought. What was on it? It's like a roast beef that's cooked like, it's like a slow cooked, almost like a slow cooked skirt steak, cooked salami oh. with onions and a, I don't like tomato, but it had a thick slice of tomato with some seasoning on it and then uh, like gooey cheese and then oh. this gooey like, it's almost like a thousand island dressing yeah at the beginning of the tour elise is like i get it if you have like a food allergy or you like get ill but she's like if you just think like oh i don't like x like i just don't like tomatoes she's like take it put it aside for the tour and just be open to it and i'm so glad i did because mm. this sandwich like i said and the chestnut hill cheese shop 
even though the guy that runs it is a fucking Eagles fan. That's fine. <laughs> we'll forgive him because I had this cheese with this like truffle oh, stripe through the middle. Yeah. You can order at the Chestnut Hill uh, Cheese Shop website. Big fan of truffle. Get their cheddar with the tr- the, chest- the truffle in the middle and tell was them. Was it all gluten free? Yeah. Oh, the and she did. Was? The sandwich had a gluten free nice. bread, and she did. She made sure that if you have, if you're vegetarian, gluten free, whatever, she makes sure that there's like a version of things oh, for awesome. you. Like the Schmitter, there's like a vegetarian version. Oh. It's called like the George Bernard Shaw, so it's like similar flavors, but with no meat. Obviously. Oh, my husband's anyway, a vegetarian. So super. We both go on this and, and still enjoy ourselves. I was not, we're not sponsored by Chew Philly, but well, we should we, be. If you want, I'm to. just very obsessed with that sandwich. Um, oh, it sounds delicious. And also, I would love to shout out Christy for oh. this freaking outline. Is so. Oh, good <laughs> she does so much work you um, do so much well, work. i know but heather anyway. just closed a bagillion dollar deal last week and was 1.25 billion and was very busy and still makes time to do all of this and makes i was telling tommy the other day i was like every second of heather's day is accounted for that is correct <laughs> like like most people if you were like oh i have to film i have to record my podcast tonight that's all you would do but you're like, all right, uh, after we get through here, I'm going to run up to CBC because I have such and such's birthday party. Then after that, I have to do some more work. Like every second of yeah. your day is filled with some. She, I don't know when you sleep. I it's, don't know if you it's do It's very sleep. pleasant to me at the end of the night when I'm like, oh, I have like some time. I can do anything I want. I will say the one thing that I account for in the morning and I don't skip is my meditation. So I meditate That's great. every morning and uh, watch King of the Hill every night. That's, that's- <laughs> And you have those two things, and those I draw. Bookends. I draw on my iPad while I watch King of the Hill. That's great. Well, I admire you and appreciate how much oh, you do so for nice. your friends and how much time you make for all of us. Always. And you know what? You guys can make time for us by going on iTunes mm, and rating nice us. Segue. Get us a five star rating. Review us. Uh, subscribe or wherever you listen on Spotify or Stitcher or wherever. Uh, tell a friend. More importantly, tag us in a post. Uh, you know, share us on social media. Mm-hmm. It means a ton to us, and it's the way that more people start to listen to us and that would be great if just everyone listened all the time yes it certainly would speaking of how you can tag us you can follow us on instagram and twitter at sinisterhood pod you can also like us on facebook at sinisterhood heather where can they find you if you want to see a picture of that fucking fat good sandwich it's at heather vs the world on instagram and at mck vs the world on twitter if you want to see pictures of my a wonderful daughter, you can follow me on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace or Twitter at Christy or GTFO. I also have a picture of your daughter on my uh, yes. Instagram and Norman, famous Norman. Yeah. Shout out to the Plocks for bringing their super cute babe. Yeah. Heather has uh, got a lot of babe time. Also, my daughter, we were at a, Heather and I were both at a Friendsgiving yesterday and Ella picked up two giant chocolate chip cookies from the table and just shoved them into her mouth. She's she's not even a year. She's not supposed to have that kind of stuff. But did we stop her? No, because it was funny and everyone was laughing and everyone would take video of it. So there is a picture on my Instagram currently where she she's looks like town. we all look when we first had a chocolate chip cookie. And it's very funny. Just going to town. Well, as always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinister hood.